ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. All right, ladies, today's lesson will be on the prophets, the next two sections of the Old Testament. The first section is called the major prophets, and this is not because they are more special or the greatest. It's because these books are pretty long. Isaiah 66 chapters, Jeremiah 52 plus 5 chapters of Lamentations, which he also wrote, makes it 57. Ezekiel 48 chapters, and then Daniel has 12 chapters. The last section of the Christian Old Testament is called Minor Prophets. In like manner, it's not because they are unimportant, but because most of them are short. Hosea 14, Joel 3, Amos 9 chapters, Obadiah 1, Jonah 4, Micah 7, Nahum 3, Habakkuk 3, Zephaniah 3, Haggai 2, Zechariah 14, and Malachi 4. Now these prophets are called classical prophets because they have a book of the Bible named after them. Now, there were other prophets in the Old Testament that we've already spoken about. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Samuel, and there are even female prophets in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The ones we know so far are Miriam, Moses' sister, that's in Exodus 15:20, Deborah, which is Judges chapter 4, verse 4, and Huldah, 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. Also, if you remember, King David is known as a prophet in Peter's sermon in Acts 2, verses 29 through 31. And then in 1 Chronicles, chapter 25, verse 1, it says, Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jebuthun, who should prophesy with harps and psaltery and with cymbals. So, some temple musicians were also known as prophets. Woohoo! And we will see that prophets use poetry, songs, parables, and a variety of means to communicate the word of the Lord. Even some are object lessons themselves in order to communicate, thus saith the Lord. According to Dr. Betts' Old Testament notes, the prophets' basis of authority was direct revelation by God. God called them and they went. His objective was to call God's people back to the covenant relationship with the Lord. And the prophets' function was to relay messages from God to the people. Prophets were known in the Old Testament as a seer, visionary, man of God, servant of the Lord, messenger of God, and the Hebrew word for prophet is navi, which means one summoned by God. For clarification, and also from my Old Testament notes, prophets did not use the ways of the religions of the land to try and hear from God. They did not use divination or astrology or babble or use fortune telling for money. And there were other ways that the pagan religious people used. 
But this is not what God's prophets did. They were not religious fanatics, but many of them were reluctant, but they were obedient. They heard from the Lord and they did what he told them to do and they said what he told them to say. Some of what the prophets were to say was foretelling, F-O-R-E, and that's about future events. As Dr. Plummer points out in his book, 40 Questions About Interpreting the Bible, we are to distinguish between conditional and unconditional prophecy. That's found page 200 in his book. What he means by that is, sometimes the prophet will say, if you repent, then this destruction won't happen. And then there were other things that were just going to happen because God is sovereign and he has a plan which no one can stop. One of the main purposes of the prophet's job is forth-telling, F-O-R-T-H. It is a call to come forth to God and get right with him. We will discover that these prophets come from various walks of life. For instance, Isaiah is part of the royal family, while others are farmers or shepherds. God uses all sorts of people for his purposes. Now, as we approach these prophets, we will need to understand when and to whom each prophet is written. With all these classical prophets, they are either during the Assyrian time, an attack of the northern kingdom, or the Babylon time, and the attack of the southern kingdom, or after Israel was totally taken over and in exile, or some are even post-exilic, after they get back from the exile, like with Ezra and Nehemiah. I don't know why prophetic books were put in the order that they are in in the Christian Bible. They are not in timeline order, but we will go in the canonical order. What I mean by that is our established Bible was canonized. It was set in an order. So I will follow that order that is placed in the Bible and I will not follow the timeline The earliest prophetic book is Amos, which is around 760 BC. The kingdom is divided. Malachi is the last prophet, and he came around 460 BC. Also, some of the prophets like Elijah and Elisha were mainly called to the northern tribes of Israel. So when we look at the prophets, we will also check to see if they are called to go to the northern kingdom of Israel, to the southern kingdom of Judah, some went to both, or then there's Jonah who was called to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria, which is the modern day northern Iraq. One of the other things Dr. Betts said in class is that overall, God has two messages, either how they treat God or how they treat people. And if you remember the greatest commandment according to Jesus in Matthew 22 verses 34 through 40, the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Dr. Vickers heard it said that the prophets were called 
covenantal enforcers. With that in mind, I want to do three things before we close today. The first, I want to do a quick walk through the Bible to where we are so far and how we got there and remind us of the covenant that God made to humanity. The second thing is I want to review each of the books so far as to their key words. And then I want to end with singing the entire books of the Old Testament, including the prophets, so it will start to become familiar to you. As for the covenant, the first promise comes to the serpent in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 after the creation and the fall of Adam and Eve. God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And we have discussed before how this is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, but we won't go into that right now. Then the Lord God promises to Noah to never flood the earth again. Then in Genesis 12 and 15, God makes a covenant with Noah's descendants, which is also a descendant of Adam and Eve, which is Abraham, to make him a great nation. And all of the families and the nations of the earth will be blessed through his seed. Then from Abraham, we have the patriarchs of the Jewish and the Christian religion. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob had 12 sons from four women. Out of those 12 sons comes the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those sons was Joseph, and his brother sold him into slavery, which sent him to Egypt. Because of the famine, Jacob and Jacob's family all went to Egypt, and Joseph was there to spare them. Then there was a Pharaoh who did not remember Joseph, and then the Israelites came into bondage. It was then that Moses was sent to free the Israelites. Then God makes a covenant with Moses at Sinai, and basically it's the retribution principle. If you obey me, I will bless you. If not, I'll curse you. We then see over and over and over and over and over and over again that the people always, always break the covenant. Even all of the big ones like Moses and David. Why? Because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yet, God keeps the covenant. He is faithful to it. Why? Because of God's said love. His love that's unconditional. One of the purposes of the prophets is to continually bring the people back to God. The next major covenant was with King David, for from his seed there will be an eternal king and an eternal kingdom. Again, this will be fulfilled through Jesus. We then see King David wasn't perfect. King Solomon, his son, wasn't perfect. And after that, then the kingdom of Israel split. The north became Israel. They always broke the covenant because the very first king made gold calves to worship in order to keep them from going down south to Jerusalem in order to worship the Lord there. So northern Israel never had a king who would follow the Lord. The southern tribe 
was called Judah, but it was Judah and Benjamin. That always had a line from David. A son of David was king of Judah. Elijah and Elisha were pre-exilic prophets. That means that the exile hadn't happened yet. These were prophets that went to the northern part, northern Israel. But in 722 BC, the north fell to Assyria. The capital of Samaria was completely destroyed and the 10 lost tribes were spread throughout Mesopotamia. Judah was still alive and we have already seen a glimpse of Isaiah in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 starting with verse 20. When Assyria tries to take Judah, King Hezekiah goes and gets Isaiah and they pray and seek the Lord. So Isaiah could be called an exilic prophet because it is happening during the time of the exiles. Northern Israel has now been exiled. Southern Judah is about to be exiled. God intervened with Hezekiah and Isaiah, but in 587-586 B.C., Jerusalem is finally destroyed and Babylon exiles the Jews. Seventy years later, the Persian king, King Cyrus, he makes an edict that the Israelite people can go back home. And then during this time, there are prophets of God to draw people back to him, which we would call post-exilic prophets. So now, before we sing the books of the Old Testament, and when we get to the prophets, you can just hear how they go. Let's review each book of the Old Testament. So we have the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Beginnings, the creation of man, the fall, the nations, the nation of Israel, and his 12 sons, Beginnings. Exodus, to exit and deliverance. They were delivered from Pharaoh and Egypt. Three, Leviticus. Leviticus makes me think of Levites, which were the people who led in worship, and therefore the key word is holiness. Numbers, there were two senses taking, one in the beginning with the first group, And then one at the end with the new generation. And in between the two, it's wanderings. Wanderings in the wilderness with numbers. Deuteronomy means second law. It's renewal with that new generation. Now we started the next section, the books of history. Joshua, they now conquest the promised land that God promised to Abraham. Judges, the cycle of sin. In the midst of the judges, there is Ruth, and we see there is hope because there is a kinsman redeemer. First Samuel, Samuel's a prophet. The people cry out to Samuel, we need a king. So first Samuel, the first king, is Saul. Second Samuel, Samuel anoints the second king, which is King David. First Kings, King David's son Solomon, and then after that comes division. So in 1 Kings, we see the division of the kingdom. In 2 Kings, we see the captivity of the northern tribe and the southern tribe. 
in First Chronicles and in Second Chronicles, both of these are sort of rosy-colored glasses. So in First Chronicles, we see the Davidic covenant again, very similar to Second Samuel, and then Second Chronicles, we see the priestly view of Judah, and it focuses on the priest and the Levites and worship. Then was the exile. After that, we have Ezra. And with him, they rebuilt the temple. And then with Nehemiah's help, they rebuilt Jerusalem's walls. Then in the midst of that time is Queen Esther. And the word for that is providence. For the Israelites were saved because God placed her in the right time at the right place. Then we see the books of poetry. With Job, we see sovereignty. But what I think of is not the retribution principle. In other words, bad things can happen to good people. Psalms, we see worship and praise. Proverbs, wisdom. Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities. And song of songs is love. But what I like better is beloved. So if you remember, the books of poetry happen in the midst of the books of history. And now we will start covering the prophets. There are five major prophets and then there are 12 minor prophets. So before we conclude, let us sing the books of the Old Testament. And if you don't know, just listen along. We'll do all five sections. Mm, Let us sing the books of Moses, of Moses, of Moses. Let us sing the books of Moses, for he wrote the law. First Genesis, second Exodus, third Leviticus, fourth Numbers, and the fifth is Deuteronomy, the last of them all. Let us sing the books of history, of history, of history. Let us sing the books of history, which tell of the Jews. First Joshua, second Judges, then the story of Ruth, then first and second Samuel, and first and second Kings, then first and second Chronicles, which give us the record, then Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, the queen. Let us sing the books of poetry, of poetry, of poetry. Let us sing the books of poetry, the songs the Jews sang, Job the patient, Psalms of David, the Proverbs of the wise one, and then Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. Let us sing the major prophets, major prophets, major prophets. Let us sing the major prophets, the greatest of them all. Isaiah, Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations. Ezekiel and Daniel, who were true to their God. Let us sing the minor prophets, minor prophets, minor prophets. Let us sing the minor prophets. There are twelve of them all. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obed. Diah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Phew, we did it. The prophets call the people back to the Lord. So ladies, if you hear God's voice today, don't harden your hearts like the Jews did so many times in the Old Testament. Instead, let's be of the few who prayed and obeyed and were faithful. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.